All right, welcome in to the Fezzik Focus Podcast, week 14 of the NFL. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Steve Fezzik. Steve, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, hey. Oh, that's it. That's good energy. There you go. I like that's that full sugar Mountain Dew. Everyone <laughs> pay attention. If you're not careful, you might learn something. That's right. All right. I, you know, I'm going to go a little bit out of order here from our notes list because how you won second place in the Circa Quarterly, that's an interesting story to me. Yeah. So Circa has – it's the, that and the Westgate are the big handicapping contests. And one quirk that both have that they didn't used to have – um, five years ago when the Westgate was the only contest in town is quarterly prizes. So the third quarter is, I guess, weeks 9 through 13 at the Circa. And what's this? I see one of my contests is uh, 13 and 2. Hey, hey. Um, hey, hey, hey. I'm in contention. One no wonder dude, you got that energy going. One dude has 14 and 1, and I'm like, all right. Well, here's the number one rule of contest play. Make sure you're never drawing dead. Make sure you don't have five plays that almost – duplicate the number one guy so you can't win now that's tough for you because i don't know i mean again this this is the first i'm hearing this story so i don't know who the guy is that went 14 and one i would assume he's not a a public handicapper giving out his plays on podcasts around the country right that's right that that would make it easier so that puts you at a bit of a disadvantage yes because you can say these are the plays i love and then this guy says, okay, that's one for me, one for me, one for me. Yeah, like I'm going to play Miami minus four. Guess what? He's going to play Miami minus four. You know, the line's six and a half. We're both going to play Miami minus four. So now it's a four-game contest, and I still haven't made a game up yet. Now what's the – is it is – the, is the money worth enough to for you to go away from your long season strategy? It's a great question. As long as I'm not in the top 20, yes, the quarterly prize is worth much more than one game in a 90-game schedule. And, and could you see the guy that was 14-1, and one, is he a contender for the big prize? I could have looked it up, but I, it was so unlikely with – you know, 4,000 entries that okay. I probably should have looked that up, but it doesn't matter because the 14 one guy, his interests are aligned. He wants to play his five best plays and both it, it, regardless of whether he was in the quarterly or not. So that was irrelevant. He's still going to play his best five. But if he's play, if he's 14 and one, you're 13 and two, and he puts in the same five plays as you, he's probably feeling pretty good, right? Well, that's right. But so, so how do we avoid that? Well, don't go on the podcast that week. We go back. We go back to WrestleMania three. All right. Oh. WrestleMania three. Pontiac Silverdome. Oh, Bobby the, the giant Brain. riding the uh, the cart. That's right. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, uh, uh, Hogan tries to body slam Andre the Giant, who's gained twenty pounds for the match, and Hogan almost throws his back out, falls backwards, almost gets pinned, and and Heenan responds, "We knew Hogan would go for the slam, so we were ready for it." I knew any. Um, guy that's the chip leader in a contest like this would would go for the Buffalo minus two Monday night football slam. It's too hard not to resist. You're like, I want to hedge the last game. The line on the game is almost three. I can lay two and a half. He has to play Buffalo. He's going to play Buffalo. Thus, I'm playing New England plus two and a half. Okay. I don't care who I like in the game. Irrelevance. I have to play New England. Boom. If I lose the game, I, I'm, I'm dead. I got that game. I'm tied for the chip lead. And as it turned out, he did indeed go for the slam with the Buffalo and we were oppo. So immediately I said to myself, okay, I'm tied for the chip lead. That's great. 
All was going swimmingly as I was winning games until Russell Gage did not catch a pass in the final seconds. Okay, you could say I was kind of fortunate to have a chance to cover, but I lost a game with Atlanta. Uh, listen, that game wasn't a fortunate – it wouldn't have been a fortunate cover. The, the, I mean, the Bucks were within the number almost the entire game. Uh, like, the, the Bucks field goal that, was, that came with like a minute 40 left – that's what put it outside the yeah, number. Atlanta was within the number. So, Sorry, like, yeah. you, if you look at fourth quarter win expectancy, yeah, one not more great. Fourth quarter cover expectancy, real, very good, real good. <laughs> and Tampa basically needed one more first down to run out the clock. It didn't happen. Hey, it's fine. So I, I go three and one. Then I, I I get the Monday night game. I go four and one, and I tie with seven other dudes, and I get you know like eleven thousand. So was that the only the 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 Bills game was the only game that guy lost. Um, no, the chip leader faded to two and three and he got, he got Oh, he got nothing. nothing? He got oh. nothing. But the problem is when you're fighting against 4,000 other combatants, inevitably some dudes are going to go five and oh, sure. And like, and one of them did go five and oh, who was 13 and two. And then I'm on a com- I'm sports betting conference call. And so the, a guy I barely know on the call chimes in. He says, Oh, by the way, my buddy who listens to you all the time. And, you know, follows a lot of your picks is so happy. He won the quarterly contest. So I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, I like the Rams and I like some other sides that I didn't personally play, but he did. So good for him. So Uh. he takes down the 171 K, but to be fair, even if I'd gotten Atlanta, I mapped it out. It would have been a three-way tie. So it's not like Atlanta cost me. So the 171 instead would have been. It would have been 250 chopped three ways. I would have oh, gotten okay. 80. I would have gotten 80k instead of 11k. You're still happy with the cash, but it should, goes to show. Could have bought you a new Mercedes. It, got, it goes to show, like with this contest stuff, like like literally, it's like a blackjack tournament on the final hand. How you play that hand, it's irrelevant how you're supposed to play the hand. You have to do it's, – it's a contest-related strategy. And in that case, you have to go oppo on the Monday night game in a situation like that to try to catch up, especially if you were, like, two games out. If you were 12-3, and three, you probably had to play the Giants plus the four to catch up to everybody. You feel like you played the right way? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, take it. Uh, all right. Let's get into our uh, – that could have been the Fez tale. Let's get into another Fez tale. Fez tales are in the past. This is like – we just talk current. This is contemporary. That's true. That's true. Okay, let's get into an old story then. Or is this is this an old story? This the, is an, a 2005-ish type story, so yes. All right, well, let's hear it. All right. So there was a casino called the Maxim, uh, and now it's the Weston. So it's located right where I used to live on close to Cobol and Flamingo. Okay. And they had the great Maxim giveaway. So for three hundred dollars, I'm, I'm sorry, if you signed up for a player's card, you were awarded three hundred dollars in free play in slots. I can't recall if you had to put in three hundred into the machine and it matched it up to three hundred, or if they just gave you the three hundred. Not relevant. Nice little perk. I go in, do my three hundred, and I have a fake ID or two. You know. All of us did. And I thought about doing it, you know, and I won't even disclose whether I did that on a different shift or not and the like. But um, the bottom line, it was a nice free $300 minus a little. You played a video poker. And so you make like an expectation of $280 or whatever it is. I have my friend Goose, who's a professional advantage player, extremely personable, extremely aggressive um, angle shooter to, to the point where don't do anything illegal. But. 
a-okay if you get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> your lawyer, could do, as long as your lawyer can get you off, it's fine. So he hangs out for literally 36 straight hours outside the Maxim slash now um, the Weston. Weston. And all he does is he recruits people saying, hey, they're having a promo. I will pay you $50 to get a player's card, sign up for a player's card. They would walk them over. They'd sign up for the player's card. He'd pay him the $50 first, all right? They'd get a player's card. He'd hand it to, to my buddy, say, have a nice day. And then he would put it into the machine. He'd play it through, you know, hit the cash out and get, take the 300 So he was making like 250 minus the big, so like 240 a pop. The brilliance of this is that it, 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 you just recycle it over and over and over and over. The only problem he had is he thought, well, what happens if I hit a royal flush here and I'm playing on somebody else's card? Um, which he, it's okay. You could say he found it on the floor or whatever, I guess. But um, what he would routinely do is if he had any draw to any royal, he'd pull the card out. So if he had like <laughs> the ace, king, queen of spades, um, or like it, let's say he was dealt a royal, he would take his card out, then not hold any cards, and then hit doink, and there was no player's card in there. So he got around it that way too. And he just, I don't, I, to this day, I have no idea how much money he made, but he literally, I think he signed up maybe 20 people that's too much like 10 people an hour why didn't you get in on this scam? because it's one of those things where you you can make money it's it is kind of it is a scam you know but it's <laughs> it's not really a scam because you just you you enter into a contract with someone who's who is choosing to get a player's card and and you're t- and and you're you're chopping it up and they don't realize you know how powerful that is so i always talk about promotions and ways to take advantage of things and you hear like all these casinos and all these executives, you know, they're th- there's a reason the chandeliers are burning bright and how sharp Vegas is. And there's an example of like like no one in the casino realized, wait a minute, we can't just give three hundred free dollars away to every single homeless person that stumbles into our yeah. casino. But apparently they thought they could. Yes. All right. Let's get into this is a, a, a topic near and dear to my heart. Why you won't win any money long term betting NFL sides. Yeah, I, I really, I really think that if that's your main goal, thinking I'm going to make a ton of money betting sides, I want to lay out the ugly math. People can and do win tons of money and make a nice living betting sports, but the NFL NFL sides are so difficult. I threw out some numbers. Let's assume that you're going to go 11 and nine on average every month playing NFL sides. Okay, it's pretty darn good. That's that's 55. percent That is. That's like you hear all the time. That's what pros endeavor to, you know, that, that's what pros hit. That's really not true. That's what pros endeavor to hit in a good season. It's too high. Um, throw out props, throw out team totals, throw, throw out things like that because those have, can have obscene win rates. But just from pure NFL sides, 55% is really good. And anyone who disagrees with me, I tell you what, um, RJ and I have wanted to do a bet like you can play against the stale lines in a contest and we'll bet you can't hit 57% despite having the stalest lines imaginable. I think I would even go to 55% that someone can't even hit 55% in a contest, not for a ton of money, but I would certainly bet them. And that's playing against the weakest numbers in the world because they're published early. But even if you go 11 and nine and you bet a thousand a game, you're basically making a thousand a month. The season lasts four months. You're only making four thousand dollars. It's a lot of grinding. That's a lot of grinding with a lot of competency to come out with only four thousand dollars at the end of it. Oh, and by the way, um, what happens if you hit fifty percent? You know, I mean, which certainly can happen. So now, you know, you're paying the vig on all of that. So um, this is really the upside. If you're if you're betting under a thousand 
a game, don't even bother. I would say don't even bother, unless you're just having a good time. Yeah, if it's entertainment. Do it for, that's the way to say it, do it for entertainment. You're not going to make anything significant doing any of that. You'd be better off if you live in the Midwest, just shoveling people's driveways and getting in shape and getting paid doing that. So um, I, I just wanted to throw that out there as far as reasonable expectations. And by the way, I see all the time, Articles about, well, how much do pros really make? And they do this analysis, and they use 55%, which is too high, and they go through it, and they conclude that pros, you know, make 50000 a year betting sports. What their anal- Where their analysis fails completely is they don't realize that every now and then somebody puts up a prop that you're going to win all the time. And you're going to take advantage of 80% bets and 70% bets that disappear, have low limits and the like, but are just absolutely outstanding. Um, things like the Maxims giveaway story and, and the like. Certainly sports betting um, has its own promos. And look no further even than the, the boosts they give people. Like it's not unusual that you'll get a 50% boost on a three-team parlay on a Monday night game, et cetera. Absolutely take advantage of each and every one of those. You know, those little um, – those low, lower limit bets that have huge edges really can add up. Let's take, I mean, obviously the NFL is hard. NBA sounds like you think it's pretty hard too. You know, the NBA, I'm not saying I can't beat it. I'm convinced that I can beat it. But there's two ways I think that you beat the NBA. The first way, ideally, is you're on top of it. I know McKenzie does this. And you're looking at the schedule and you just say, oh, Two months from now, the Bulls have the world's worst scheduling pot spot here. They're going to be at they're, they're going to have a, two games in L.A., then they're going to go to Utah, then they're going to go to Denver um, in a back-to-back. I'm betting against them in the Denver game. And what will happen, you'll, be, you'll beat everyone to the punch because the overnight line will come up. You'll be able to bet it. Then everyone will spot, oh, this is the worst spot of the year for the Bulls. Hopefully then they're going to go ahead and have two of their starters rested, you know, business decision, and it'll move even more, and you'll get a really great bet. Now, absolutely, you can win getting in front of bets like that. And I think the second way to win, this non-properly, just betting sides in total, okay. is that information. So you, you, you go ahead and follow all the beat writers. You follow all of the, um, the national guys that are going to tweet out and you're going to have like an eight to 10 second window to go ahead and bet information when the Joker's out or when Giannis is not going to play or he is going to play and the like and to be able to take advantage of that. And people can and absolutely do make money betting this. Here's the problem as a handicapper, that's not going to do you any good. Think about this. How in the world, even if I had that information, I would have to type it into the system, release the play, and you have to get it. And that all has to happen in eight seconds. It's not going to happen. It's just impossible, not to mention the fact that books are pulling this off left and right. So you, numbers you see on the screen don't even exist. So this is the case where as a pro better, I'm not going to mention anybody. Yeah, I, yeah, well, I'll mention like the hitman is great at this. So he's never going to send any of these to his clients because when um, Giannis is out and it, it was unexpected, there's a good chance he got a better too anti-Milwaukee, but he can't. That's not going to help him to be able to give winners to his clients. And you mentioned, I mean, this was actually something we ended up taking advantage of last night. College basketball, different story. Yes. So you have situations, and the more obscure a team, the better. I'm embarrassed to say I gave out Cal Baptist as a big play. Cal Baptist opponent, uh, Caleb, the point guard, (laughs) was not playing. And we had information that he was not playing. Now, it does not matter that I don't know what team Cal Baptist was playing. 
I know that this dude is important and that the point spread did not reflect the fact that he was out in the power rating. They were playing North Dakota, who's pretty bad to begin with, so you can imagine their backup point guard, not good. So here's a case where you know you have that information and no one else has it, and boom, you, you, you make a bet. Market doesn't move because the market, one, the market um, is unaware that Caleb is out. Two, I, the market is not so good on how much Caleb is really worth in general anyways. So, And there are so many games going on. People are so distracted, and they're all watching Syracuse Villanova, Plinko, Villanova covered. You know, Plinko is the puck. That mm-hmm. just, it fell into the Villanova cover. Syracuse was covering the whole game. But um, the bottom line is the games to make the most money with are – not the Syracuse Villanova games. They're probably the uh, games um, sur- w- involving teams like the California Baptist games. And you know, I, I sent one to you last night as well about uh, Tulane and to, uh, Tulane Charleston, another game that no one's going to be watching. College of Charleston, and uh, three and a half. Yeah, and and Jalen Cook, the Tulane point guard, who's really their only good player. He's an LSU transfer. Lineups come out. He's not on it. Where I say, I say well, what? <laughs> and the number right there where it was sitting. And three I said, and, well, you know, it's interesting. So it goes from three and a half and it leaks down to three. Yeah. It goes down a half, a half. Dude is probably worth three points. But you know what? We're all busy. The NFL season's still upon us. So this would never happen in a Denver Nugget game if Jokic, no. Jokic was out. But this guy is as important to, to his team sure. as, as Jokic is probably maybe not as important. But say, you get the idea. And it's certainly the value of having a network of, of people who look out for those types of things, who can relay that information to you in a timely manner. That Tulane thing, much like you said about the Hitman, not something I could put out to my clients. Just it wasn't. It, it was too close to tip-off time to yeah, do it. Yeah, we have a rule at pregame. We actually have a thirty-minute cutoff yep. because we don't want to have a situation. It's just bad business to give out to our clients plays that the vast majority of them aren't going to be able to get down yep. on. Now I've got a bet like a pro, which is a special program. I can do that, but I, even I try not to do that to people because that's that's really asking a lot for someone to be have a small window and be able to get down. But. I was able to get down. You, you were gave me five. You were able to you get gave, down. You gave me five minutes. Yeah. Five, five minutes is like an eternity. Yeah. You got, know, in terms of being able to bet. Yes. And what's interesting, too, is, you know, uh, one of the books that takes one of the bigger limits in town, Circa, is one of the books that had the three and a half. So they didn't get the memo. They were unaware. Should I have texted them, too? No. No. They're the enemy. No. I love, you're I right. love what they're doing over at Circa, and I'm going to get to go pick up my money from the contest. But, um, I mean, still, I always hear, like, like, you know, this is interesting. Another, another story. So, like, Alan Boston at the end of the year would go out um, to Hugo's cellar. He's a, um, uh, used to live in Vegas, uh, famed college basketball better. And he would meet with all the bookmakers, and they'd have dinner, like, on, you know, uh, Christmas dinner together and be celebratory. I got to tell you, I don't think there's that many bookmakers in town that want to have dinner with me. No. So, <laughs> You know, kudos to Alan for maintaining those positive relationships. I don't. I just don't think that. Um, well, I don't think that that Chris Andrews over at the South Point's like eager to have dinner with Fezzik right now. You know, seeing, seeing as how he doesn't want me to bet in his sports books. So, get your thoughts on the Monday Night Football game that we saw a couple days ago on Buffalo and New England. You mentioned you had New England in, in your contest. Uh, what? 
what what kind of a surprise was it to you, I guess, the way that that game unfolded? And what kind of opportunities did you see while the game was happening? To be 100% honest, I had New England in the contest, but I also had Buffalo in the contest. In my main contest entry, I played Buffalo minus two and a half. Took On the, the one that's higher in the season-long standings? That's right. So the other one was just game theory. Okay. Now, of course, if the line had been three, I would have played New England on all of them. Um, the um, it, it, it represented the unique situation. We've spoken about this before. Extreme wind game, you need to know, is the wind north-south or east-west? Is it crosswind or is it tailwind? And it turned out it was tailwind. So if you just bet who got the ball, who got the wind each quarter, you covered three of the four quarters. You lost the first quarter. New England went into the wind. Dude broke the 80-yard, yep. you know, octopus eight-pointer. So they got they got eight points from it. But aside from that, the wind absolutely mattered all the rest of the quarters. I think Buffalo made a huge mistake when they took the ball to start the third quarter instead of choosing the wind to have it in the fourth quarter. Now, you could argue, wait a minute, they were already trailing by four. You got you to get back in the game. I'm going to beg to differ. There's more scoring in the fourth quarter than the third quarter. You need the wind at the end of the second quarter and the fourth quarter. That's where it's what's more valuable. Having the ball is no advantage at all on a night like that um, in terms of who is going to score next. Just, just your takeaways from it. Did you feel like... I mean, when when you it, when you start looking at your season long data, do you, did you do you really say this is what this is really a part of what Buffalo is? This is really a part of what New England is? Because I made the case yesterday on Straight Out of Vegas with RJ that even if Josh Allen had had completed that last play on fourth down and it's a touchdown and the the Bills win, or had they made the field goal earlier and yeah, been able to kick a kick field goal, mm-hmm. so even if they win that game. You still can't feel really good about what happened to the Bills, can you? No, you know, these Bills, I wonder if I've got them overrated. I've got them four and a half points better than an average team, and I'm thinking, hmm. You know, they they are, other than the Kansas City win, they are not looking impressive at all. And the fact that New England, you you watch the game. All Buffalo did was stack the box, and all New England did is forget forget you. I'm, I'm Army, and I can run past you. And they were they were successful for quite a bit of the game. You know, doing that um, that's scary that they could they, they were able to do that. Um, you know, I also think I think Belichick slipped. I think Ernie Adams isn't there, and they're making basic strategy mistakes they never used to make. It was so rare I would watch a New England game. It is egregious that New England did not try to score at the end of the second quarter with the wind close to midfield. What is that? What is that? What should they have done? Try to score. Pass the ball. Throw screen passes. Be con- so gone away from the, the strategy. You have they, to. Yeah. I mean, what, 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 what are, you, are, you, are you that worried? The only thing you have to worry about is a turnover. And are you really all that worried? You give Buffalo the ball and they're going, into and they're the, going, into the they're going into the gale that sunk the Edmund Fitzgerald? I mean, they should <laughs> be fine. And, and, I mean, if you punt the ball, you know, you're going to punt at 88 yards. By the way, I played – Longest punt under 63 and a half. I lost that bet. There was, yeah. a, there was a really long punt because of the tailwind. And people were scared to field the punts. Like after the first after the, the first muff by New England, sure. it was get away from this thing. So there was one that was for sure going to roll. That was Nikhil Harry that, that, that was. Every bonehead thing that happens to the Patriots is Nikhil <laughs> Harry. You can go ahead and write that down. Nikhil Harry, his over-under was eight and a half for pass reception yards. This was a hitman special. I think that was the only play he played. That was the only time he touched the ball I'm with, sure with his he was helmet. On some other help, special teams, but he was a first. He was a first rounder, right? I yeah. Mean, my 
goodness. Yeah, I had the uh, I had a prop in that game on Dawson Knox over 28 and a half yards. All you have to tell me is you had a prop on over, and I know how that turned out. He, I think he had about – if I would have had – over 30 and a half yards dropped in the first quarter, <laughs> I would have been money. But that, that's the one under that may have hit, so or the one over that may have hit. Now, did you, um, are you 10 and 5 on your props now? 13 what's, and 5? What's the record now, McKenzie? 13 and 6. 13 and 6. It, it'll do. I sent you guys a couple winners. I guess you didn't. You you, you didn't want to use them. So. Uh, in the New England game? Yes. No, I was scared. I was scared for the most part in that New England game to to do any kind of player props. I, I had I had the no score for six oh, minutes. Oh, on the, that. I, and I think this was th- this was pure gold. Even with the tailwind, the longest field goal under forty-seven. Um, you know, I mix them all up. I'm I'm such an old guy. I like Susie. Colbert or somebody I don't even know comes out and says they might not even attempt an extra point tonight. I did actually play those. I thought you sent some player props, which I because that's all RJ wants for me on straight out of Vegas is player props. So that wasn't an option for me, but I did I did uh, get in on on that action. You're still above sixty six percent, outstanding. The Army Navy game. There's only one college football game left, uh, or at least one regular season college football game left. What are your thoughts on it? I love the Army-Navy game. I do, too. I want to go to one in person. It's on my bucket list. I don't really like that they play it at the big uh, the Eagles Stadium now. Like, I'd like to go to one on like in West Point. would be really cool to me. I'm waiting for the when they have one in the Barbados or something, and then maybe I'll go oh, to that town. Sounds t- <laughs> but um, it, the, it's an interesting situation where you n- never tease college football. You know, people are going to get mad at me. They're going to be like, I can't believe you said that. If your handicapper is telling you to tease college football games, mm-hmm. find another handicapper. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sorry. You know, and, 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 and for all those handicappers like, Fezzik, you know, you're throwing me under the bus here, and I play these all the time, and I do really well. Well, great. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer you plus 105 instead of even money on any college football teaser you want to play, and you just let me know, and I'll go ahead and we'll go one-on-one with your best college football teasers, okay? So good news. You got plus 105. Ooh. Guess what? You won't win. And here's why you don't win, because Texas plays years ago. Texas, I'm sure you know, remember this game being from Houston. Texas played UCLA. Texas was laying 10. They lost 60. Texas lost 66 to, to, to 10. Yeah. I mean, there's too much variance. Having said that, we never want to say never. <laughs> now we got a total at 34, and we have Army laying the seven and a quarter. You know what? I am perfectly fine with teasing an army minus seven down to minus one. I think that that is an A-OK play if you like army in this game, especially an even money teaser. But now here's the problem. What do you tease with? What do I tease it with? Well, you sit, people's like, well, you can tease the total. Well, the problem is, you know, six points on the total doesn't land 25% of the time, even when the total is 34. So I don't think you can do that. You certainly can't tease any bowl games because bowl games are extremely volatile. Sure. In terms, of even eight-point favorites lose all the time in bowl games. Playoff game? Now I lose the I lose the even money the second I I, I click an NFL teaser as part of no, it. No, no, I mean the uh, the playoff game, the college oh, football oh, playoff oh, games. Oh, that's good because point. those are the ones you know are going to be played to game script, like uh, played more more realistically than any other bowl game. So if you think Georgia's going to pound Michigan, what's that line right now? Nine. So if it was an eight and a half, and you tease it down to two and a half, you know what? You could if you told me I'm going to play Georgia. Minus two and a half with Army minus one. Two-team teaser, college football, even money. 
because I like Georgia to, to clobber Michigan anyways, I'd probably be okay with that. Okay. That might actually. This is the exception. This might be the one exception where I would say, that I, I would say, you know what? It actually could have value. So to all the handicappers out there that you got me. So there's a college football teaser that I would say, oh, that's kind of clever. So last conversation here, and this isn't something I do. I know it's not something you do because you, you, uh, you know, you exchange information with people, but there are people who this is like they've got to to keep you know keep the the money coming in they've got to ha- handicap or at least say they handicap every single sport this is not good no i i can tell you there's people who win betting each and every sport and they all have one thing in common they're not ha- actively handicapping each and every sport so i'll use a guy who's been very successful at pregame steven nover um he has really good resources you know in other sports so um, and he'll actually, to his credit, he'll go ahead and he'll do a really nice write-up on why he likes a hockey game to go over. All right? My write-up's not as good. My write-up is Charlie J likes over, so I like over. <laughs> so Stephen will Your clients it. are okay with that? But, I'm just being honest with them. If they win, they're happy. Hey, hey, I'm here. I'm here to get them winners. That's right. I'm not here to look smart. Okay. You know, and so, and and I would argue. Well, would you rather me take the Stephen approach, which probably I should, is to contact Charlie, get all the information about why the backup goaltender sucks and why this is uh, in that situation. This team has gone over seven of the last nine games. But you'd rather spend your time talking to another contact who can get you another winner. Exactly. That's what I like. Because if I do that, guess what? While I'm writing all that out, um, well, I could put it. I like to put up the play, and then I'll put up. Sometimes I'll put up a write up, but um, other times too. Let's say it's a situation that's going to continue over and over and over again. Do I really want to alert everybody that hey, I'm going to be playing against New Mexico State for the next you know six games, or I'm going to play on Loyola? because they're undervalued for the next six games. No, I'll just give out Loyola and keep playing it and not kill the Golden Goose by explaining why a player that isn't that only averages 12 points per game and who's out is actually the most important or valuable player for a team. You know, that's I've I've learned the hard way just what happens we're copycat world. And when one person starts when news gets out on a team and being fundamentally better or worse than what they were and the reason for it that can compromise your ability to get winners down the road. Look at the Eagles. Remember when we were talking about the wise guys are betting the Eagles every week, you know, word gets around and now the Eagles get expensive. All right. That'll do it for another episode of Fezzik Focus. Uh, Thank you, Steve. Thank you guys all for listening. We will be back a little bit later on in this same feed with the big show, with R.J. Bell's dream preview. The big show. Where we break down every NFL game and hopefully find some winners there. Who's going to win the national title? Alabama or Georgia? I'm still saying Georgia. I think there's an overreaction to you're one pod game. You're committed, though, because you already bet Georgia. I already bet Georgia. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, but I, I do, I think a, a quarterback change can do them some good. Georgia minus two? Uh, the last I saw was Georgia minus one. So, mm. uh, I, and I actually kind of expected it to be Alabama minus, minus two. So, think about how college is different than the NFL. In an NFL game, well, you could argue after the Super Bowl, if we replayed it time machine style, uh, it would go from Kansas City minus 3.2 to pick them against Tampa. Mm-hmm. But here we got a situation we had a line go from six, six and a half to who's favored. We're not sure. Yeah. And, you know, what's the, the and I guess it's it's not even the same as like Baltimore and Cleveland a couple of weeks ago because so much has happened since then. But, yeah, it, it's it is uh, you, you see sometimes these alarming moves and that's really 
I don't know. I saw some things in that game that say, uh-oh, Georgia's got some problems containing Bryce Young. But then I also say they adjusted this four and a half, five points. That's too much. It's just too much. So it, it, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm torn. Mm-hmm. So really, really, that's what that's what I've got to tell you. Is I'm, and, and, I'm torn. And, and you've got a history of um, Bama wins and their opponents lose in these circumstances. Bama historically pretty good in these yes. situations. They're not playing Clemson. Historically good against Georgia too. Yes, like, that's that's sort of a theme in college football. Is and RJ said it really well yesterday. He's like, when's the last time you looked at Georgia at the end of the year and said, you know what, they were a lot better than I thought they were going to be coming into the season, and it's pretty much never. Every year it's Georgia. Oh, this is Georgia's time. Here they come. And then at the end of the year, you go, oh, Mm. well, shit, they're Georgia again. When it gets to be playoff time, they're not the ones hoisting up the trophy. Exactly. All right, Steve, appreciate it, man. We will uh, do this again next week. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, McKenzie. Thanks, Brad. We will talk to you guys later. 